0: Well, we have been, uh, for the past few weeks, uh, we have been adventuring through this narrative uh, that is full of truth, that is full of life, uh, that is full of power, and we are calling it EPIC. Uh, We are taking time going through the Bible, uh, which I hope you brought with you this morning. (laughs) Um, We have been taking a couple weeks, and we've been walking through Uh, In a matter of weeks, it's really hard to take four weeks and compound everything that is in here uh, into four weeks. So this is really just a teaser for you. Uh, Hopefully, this will whet your appetite enough as what we're talking about is that you will want to go home and you will want to open up your Bible. uh, Or you will want to use your app on your iPhone or your Android or whatever there is out there anymore but that you'll want to open it up and you'll want to dig into it and find out exactly what's going on. Uh, as we've been talking, uh, we have noticed that in any storyline, any book or any, any play, there's usually some common, common themes. First of all, we know that there's always a hero. We know that there's always a quest. There is always a bride. And there's always an enemy. Uh, for example... Uh, if you are Star Wars fans, you know that the hero is Luke Skywalker. Okay, Some of you are relating to this right now, and others of you are like, I've never watched this a day in my life. But we have, we have Luke Skywalker, who is the, the hero, and then we have Princess Leia, who technically is actually uh, the bride, but the beauty of this whole scenario of the bride is she actually is the one who leads the battle, um, which is kind of a great parallel for what we're going to talk about in a moment. Uh, And then finally, we have the enemy, which is Darth Vader. You know, (sighs) okay, never mind. (laughs) I was just clearing my throat. But so far in in our epic, uh, the word of God that we have been digging through, we have discovered who the hero is, and that is Jesus Christ. There is no other greater hero as me being a massive, huge, undeniable, no shame added to this Batman fan. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, Jesus still overpowers Batman. Um, (laughs) But also we have found that uh, the quest, we have discovered that the quest is about us. It's about us going outside of the body of Christ and looking for those who are outside of God's kingdom and bringing them into a place where they are safe and where they can encounter the hero Jesus Christ. And then last week, Pastor Don talked about the bride. We discovered that we, Christ followers, those who confess with their mouth, believe in their hearts, accept Jesus Christ in their heart to be Lord of their life, we are Christ followers. We are the bride. Now, Pastor Don touched on this last week, and he said, for some of us guys who are manly men, we have a hard time putting ourselves in our imagination saying, well, we're a bride, because when we think of a bride, we think of a wedding, And when we think of a wedding, we think of some woman in a beautiful white gown. Now, I know for all of you men in here, you do not really picture yourself in a beautiful white gown. So I have something for you. I discovered that when I realized I was a Christ follower and I was the bride, you know what, I'm okay with the white dress because I've got my combat boots on under my white dress. (laughs) So you're still a warrior, men. You're still a warrior. But today what we're going to do is... Aside from talking about the bride, we are going to talk about the enemy. And I don't, now understanding, I'm not downplaying uh, what is important versus what isn't, but this is an important message this morning. The reason is, is because we have to know who our enemy is. We have to know not only who the hero is, what our quest is, or who the bride is, but we have to know who our enemy is. We have to know who we're battling against, what we're up against, who we're facing. Now, many of you know me personally, uh, or maybe some of you heard this from the grapevine. Uh, before I was a Christ follower, I used to be a Satanist. Um, I, I was a full-time, fully-fledged worshiper of Satan. Um, just as much as like you come and worship Jesus on a Sunday morning, I had my own avenues of which I chose and which I worship Satan. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that, but what I'm talking about today is I'm speaking from experience Because all of the lies, all of the lies that I was told about how powerful and mighty Satan is has been diminished by the word of God. And that's what we're going to talk about today. That's what we're going to talk about. Yeah, this is something to get excited about. Several years ago, I had this really powerful, miraculous encounter with the Lord. I don't really have time to explain it, but it was totally miraculous. I had this major, major event take place in my life that totally turned my life around literally within hours. I had literally hit rock bottom. Uh, I often think of the prodigal son, and it tells us that he came home and he, he, he was glad that he could eat out of the pig trough with pigs. I feel that in my life, I say I was the sledge or the sludge at the bottom of the pig trough. That's where I was in my life when I had this miraculous encounter with Jesus. Ever since then, I have become a full-time Christ follower and destroyer of hell. (laughs) In fact, that's my motto uh, for this year, to love Jesus more and destroy hell intentionally. (laughs) Now, before we get started and dig into how victorious we are as the bride in our quest with our hero, Jesus, I want us to talk briefly about the enemy. I'm not going to spend a lot of time focused on the enemy because I really don't believe he's all that worth it. Um, I am a firm believer that uh, I want to praise God more and love Jesus more and give him the credit that he deserves and less time on the enemy. But I am going to give you a little directive as to who the enemy is uh, and what we know according to the word of God, uh, that if we read our Bibles, we can find out. So everything that I'm talking about this morning, you can find in here, okay? Uh, So if you want to go home and make sure that I'm preaching the right thing, check this out. So again, I'm encouraging you, read the word. (laughs) First of all, we know that Satan was God's highest ranking angel. Get that, angel, not God, not co-equal, angel. That means that, um, that if God is above, that means the angels are below him. That means that the angels submit to God. So we know that according to the word of God, that Satan was God's highest ranking angel, which means he was not God's equal. And it's kind of interesting because as Christ followers, a lot of times when we think of the enemy, we put him at an equal spot with God. We feel that what's going on in our lives is parallel to the power of God. And sometimes we treat the enemy like he is on that level of authority and power that God is on. But the truth is If we get into the word of God, we realize that Satan is no equal to the Lord. We also know that he was beautiful. It says in the word that he was full of wisdom. And God was not created, but Satan was. God is holy, just, and perfect, and righteous. Satan, on the other hand, is sinful, wicked, corrupt, and evil. God desires the ultimate good for all of humanity. He is so in love with us, so passionate about us. But on the other hand, Satan yearns to destroy everything that God has destined for us. In fact, he yearns to crush and destroy each and every one of us who claim to be a follower of Jesus. Finally, we know that God's power is unlimited, but Satan's is restricted. That's a good thing. Satan works to oppose everything that God does as well as us. He's the author of sin, uses deception, fear, sickness, suffering, control, manipulation. And most of all, he strives to take away the word of God from God's children. See, his, one of his ultimate goals is if he can, if he can get us away from the word of God, then we will lack truth. We will lack illumination and we will become spiritually passive. That's where the enemy wants us. Whereas God is the opposite, he's constantly encouraging us to dig into the word of God and find out who he is and what he wants for us. Jesus, on the other hand, says in John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Now, we'll never hear those words from Satan, (laughs) our enemy. Uh, He wants to draw us in the opposite direction. Now, in a lot of movies and books and plays, uh, we talked about having the hero and the quest and the bride and the enemy. Well, our, our narrative is a little bit different. We know that we have a hero being Jesus and we know the quest and we know the bride being us and now we know the enemy is Satan. But it's a little different for our story. Here's why. Because of what Jesus did when he went to the cross. When he died on the cross and he rose from the grave, that changed everything. That was the turn in the story. In fact, what we see is, is Jesus not only rises from the grave, but he turns to his bride. And he says to the bride, I will empower you with the Holy Spirit. And you will go and take dominion over the earth. You will go and defeat the enemy with the Holy Spirit. So we see this amazing turn that happens in this book, and God basically hands over his power, and he gives us authority, and he says, now go and enforce my kingdom rights in the earth, and I will give you my Holy Spirit to back you up and give you the goods. Let us understand this. If we're going to overcome the enemy, we must first know who we are. I'm going to ask you a couple rhetorical questions. Do you have a name? Okay. Do you know your age? Now, some of you don't answer that because you're like, yeah, I know their age. (laughs) They act like they're five. Do you know your address? Do you know what your favorite food is? Do you know what your favorite snack is? Do you know what makes you comfortable? Do you know what makes you feel uncomfortable? Why do you think we know these things? It's because we know who we are. We know who we are as individuals. Through our lifetime of growing up, we have learned to find out what we like, what we dislike, what we enjoy, what we don't enjoy. We come to realize how old we are. For some of us, that scares us. And we found out what our name is and we realize what we do and what we work and what our goals are and all these things because we have a desire to know who we are as individuals. It's the same thing in the kingdom of God. This book, the Bible, the word of God, in the midst of all of these pages tells us who we are in God's kingdom. It lists detail after detail of who the Lord says that we are. If we're going to overcome the enemy every day, we need to understand who we are as Christ followers. In uh, Luke chapter four, where we're going to camp out today, I want you to turn there in your Bibles to Luke chapter four. We're actually going to walk through this. Uh, This is an amazing example of how Jesus demonstrates how he knew who he was being the son of God. This is what it says in Luke 4. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Now, I really like this portion of scripture because it really gives us a different view of who Satan is and how he desires to attack us. And this is what we know. The first area that Satan attacks is our spiritual identity. That's the first thing that he attacks. Remember what Satan said to Jesus in that scripture? Very interesting. Read this passage through hundreds of times. And all of a sudden it just stood out to me when I was writing this message. The first thing that Satan does, he doesn't openly admit to Jesus. He doesn't say, since you are the son of God. Satan actually says to Jesus, oh, um, if you're the son of God, I could just imagine like the sarcasm in his voice. You know, well, Jesus, oh, Jesus, if you really, really are the son of God, then turn this stone into bread. See, that's the first place that the enemy desires to attack us. If you're really a Christ follower. Oh, if you, if you really love Jesus. Oh, if, if you really are full of God's authority, like you say you are. How many times we often hear that? As Christ followers, we not only need to know who we are in Jesus, but we need to know how God really views us. This is why there is such a great need for us to dig into the word of God on a regular basis. I'll be very honest with you. Years and years ago, I could pray you under the table. Man, I knew how to pray. Now I'm bragging a little bit, okay? I knew how to pray, okay? But if you asked me about the word of God, I could tell you John three 16. Isn't that the infamous Christian verse? I could tell you John three sixteen, but if you ask me anything else about the word of God, I couldn't tell you because I wasn't in the word of God. I depended on everybody else to tell me about the word of God. I depended on my pastor to tell me about the word of God. But we need to make it a habit, a lifestyle to dig into the word of God so that we can know how God really views us so we know who we are as Christ followers. God desires to redeem our current perception of how we think he sees us. You know, it's amazing. As I talk to a lot of Christ followers, we have this skewed vision of how God sees us. I think a lot of times what we do is the way we have been raised, we look at God through that lens. Maybe we had a bad relationship with our mom or with our dad, and we view God through that lens. We have this thought process that when God is angry with us, uh, he is about to unleash his wrath on us. But the word of God tells us that he yearns with us for love. Now understand, I'm not justifying your sin because he cannot justify our sin. But what he does is he gives us grace. It says that he gives us grace so that we can return to him. And repent and ask for forgiveness of our sin. The word of God tells us also that he welcomes us no matter what we have done or where we have been. But somehow there are so many Christ followers that I'm finding more and more and more that don't believe in God's grace, that don't believe in the forgiveness of sins because of the way we continue to live, because of our skewed vision of what we think God says about us and views us. But if we would get into the word of God, we would begin to live a lot differently. We say that we accept God's grace and we say that we know God has forgiven us of our sins, but we live totally different. When the Lord is at the edge of heaven, I believe, screaming out to us and saying, this was never the intention for my bride. Oh, if you would only grasp what my real intention was. But the only way we will know the intentions of God's heart is if we get into the word. How can we really know how the Lord sees us if we don't read what he tells us? The reason Jesus was so confident as the son of God in dealing with the enemy was because he knew how his father viewed him. Now, of course, I know some of you in here are going to be like, well, no, pastor, I argue that. He was the son of God. Of course, he knew, and he could battle the enemy. Yes, I agree with you, but also it says that he was fully man. It also says that he was born of a woman. How many of you were once a baby? Yeah, all right. I'm not going to continue on with a joke. But we were all born at some point. We all became Child, children. We were babies, we became children, we became teenagers, then young adults, and then we grow into being adults. That's how God created us. In the same manner, Jesus was once a baby. He became a child, became a teenager, became a young adult, and then he became an adult. It says that he knew what temptation was. Also, Jesus was a teacher. He was a rabbi, which tells us that Jesus, being human, had to know the Word of God. He had to start somewhere. But Jesus knew because of what he read and understood. He knew how the Father viewed him. According to the Scriptures, this is how God views us we're the head and not the tail. We're His child. We are justified, we are forgiven we're united, we're completed in Jesus, we're redeemed, we're his workmanship, we're his temple, and so much more. I could keep going on and on and on. That's how God views us. We have God's fullest attention. Did you get that? (laughs) You have God's fullest attention. That's right, you. You, you as an individual, you have God's fullest attention. I get so excited about that when I think about that. I have God's fullest attention. It's not because I'm a pastor that I have God's fullest attention. It's because I'm his child, so I have his fullest attention. If you are a Christ follower, you have God's fullest attention. His heart towards us is huge. Huge. It is massive towards us. But we have this This vision, this idea uh, of a lie in our head that that God fits us into a little, little piece or maybe a little corner of his heart. And when he gets around to us with everything else in the universe, he thinks about us. We are on the mind of God 24-7. He never, ever rests. He never, ever stops thinking about us even in my sin, even in your sin, God still continues to think about you because he loves us. The word of God tells us that he's so for us and he's not against us. His love for us is not based on performance, but it is based on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Oh man, take a deep breath right now. Let it out. Let all that performance go. Some of you have been living your relationship with Jesus based on performance. If I could go to the next serve Erie, I know God and I will be good. If I just find a, an elderly lady in distress, walking her gro- grocery cart through the snow and help her to get to her car and unload it and put the cart back, Jesus and I will be on good terms. No, the word of God tells us that love, the love of God continuously flows for us and is not based on performance, but on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But the enemy wants to tell us different, wants to question that. Now get this, God sees us full of wisdom. It says the word, the word says that he sees us as righteous, set apart, holy and empowered. Now, if we were to go ask the enemy, the enemy would tell us that we're nasty, we're disgusting, we don't have it all together, we're losers, we're mess ups, we're never gonna make it will never amount to anything. That's what the enemy wants to tell us. So that's why we need to read the word of God and dig into it so we can combat that which the enemy tells us. And when the enemy comes to us telling us all those things, we can say, no, according to the word, God tells me I'm full of wisdom. I'm full of life. I'm the head. I'm not the tail. I'm the apple of his eye. I have his fullest attention. I am on the mind of God 24-7. What do you got? I love how Jesus answered that. The enemy tells Jesus, says, if you are the son of God, and Jesus says, oh, wait, 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 wait a minute, buddy. Whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. No, no. First of all, let's start this again. First of all, I am the son of God, and I'm certainly not going to turn that stone into bread. And we're going to get into that in a minute as to why the enemy did that. Because in order to know who we are, we must know the scriptures. We must know the scriptures, You know, when I was uh, in training for ministry, I had to do an internship. And uh, in my internship, it was required of me that I had to read a book a week. Yes, that is correct. A book a week. Sometimes the book I was given was about like this thick. And I had one week to to read it and write a report uh, on that book. And then other times the grace of God showed up. And I would get like this one easy read that I could read in a day and then write a report and relax the rest of the week. But um, I had to read a book a week. And that was all good, uh, but the problem was is it created a habit for me that I started to read a book a week all the time. Even after I ended my internship and I went into full-time ministry, I'd read a book every, every, every week, one a week. In fact, I would, I would, put, this, uh, I would put this limit on me uh, of guilt and condemnation if I didn't finish that book that week because I had a pile of, of two read books. You know, I'd have the pile of the books read, and then I would have a pile of these are the books I need to read. And I would always map out the next book that I was going to read. So as soon as I was done reading that book in a week, I grabbed the next one and I would start reading that other book. Now, pause for a minute. We're going to come back to that. Let's look at what Jesus uh, goes on to say here. In Matthew 4.4, Jesus' response to the enemy, I love this. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Did you catch that? When the enemy came to Jesus and challenged him, his response was, it is written. It is written. Now, how could Jesus know how to combat the enemy if he didn't read what was written? Understand this, like I was saying before, I had to read a book a week, and I would have numerous books just lined up, some of the best books by some of the best authors, good stuff, but there came a point where God spoke to me one day and convicted me and said, when was the last time you gave priority to my book, my book? See, Jesus couldn't respond. When when Satan came to Jesus, he couldn't respond. He didn't pull the book off the shelf and say, oh, the organic God. Hang on, I'll find an answer for you. Oh, well, Margaret Feinberg says this. Now understand, I'm not downplaying the authors, but what's critical is that we need to understand is, is we need to put priority on the word of God. Sometimes I wonder that every Christian comes with a book. Now hear what I'm saying. I feel like sometimes when we become Christ followers, we come with a book. We are so quick that when we disciple people, you need to read this book. Oh, and when you're done with that book, read this book. Oh, and make sure you read that book too. But this whole time, instead of coming to people and saying, I need you, the first place we're going to start is right here. Instead, what we do is we do this. Don't worry, we'll get there. Uh, Okay, on relationships, you're going to need to read this book. Oh, and then uh, we don't want to get burned out, so read this book. Uh, And then, oh yeah, and we'll eventually get to the character and nature of God, so read this book. And we think we got our foundation right, but what we're doing is, is we got it all wrong. Because what we're saying is, is once we get through this, and once we get through this, and once we get through this, and so on and so on, we'll eventually get here. When God is calling us and saying, no, I need you to start here first. We need to know the word of God. Now understand, books are good. They have a place. But don't let it be the number one place in your heart. Hide this book in your heart. Hide the word of God in your heart. See, when when the enemy came to, to Jesus, In the desert, and he tempted him and said, Turn those stones into food. It wasn't about eating. A lot of times we think that, oh, well, Jesus was fasting. He was in the desert, super hungry, totally exhausted, needs some energy. So, of course, the enemy's going to hit him right where it counts. No, all through this whole passage of scripture, the enemy was enticing and trying to lure Jesus to move apart from depending on God. The enemy kept saying to Jesus, hey, just operate in your own power, man. You got the goods. You don't need the Father. Just operate in your own power and do your own thing. And Jesus kept returning to the word. And he kept saying, no, 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 no. It is written. It is written. It is written. This is what it says. Sound familiar? When the enemy comes to us, hey, 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 check this out. Oh, hey, 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 look at her. Hey, 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 did you check him out? No, no, no. It is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. (laughs) But we can't tell the enemy it is written if we don't read it. The longer we take to scratch our heads, the quicker the enemy moves in. But if we know it in our hearts and we're memorizing it and we're digging into it and we're enjoying it, our response to the enemy is so quick, just like Jesus. We need to read and memorize the words of God so that we can combat the enemy, live a joyful life, and be secured in Jesus Christ. Because if we know who we are and we know the word of God, we start to become a force that is to be reckoned with. Finally, we need to know our authority. We need to know our authority. Uh, Several years ago, Um cops, uh, or police officers, as my brother always talks, he's a police officer, so you don't refer to him as a cop, it's a police officer. Several years ago, um, I, I was uh, I was driving down the road, and I noticed, uh, as I was driving down the throughway, there was a police officer who had a car pulled over, and uh, they had the individual outside of the car. And uh, they had handcuffed uh, the individual and put the the person's hands behind her back. And basically what they did is they set the, the guy. It looked like from what I could see was is the guy had been on the, uh, the, the trooper's uh, front, front of his uh, car. I'm trying to think of like that thing that he drives. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so he, he had looked like he was sitting there. And so I had slowed down because he started to run, not on the side where there's no cars, but he started to run on the other side where the, where the cars were going, you know, in that double lane. And he's running along to his car, so all of a sudden I slow down, and I put on my four-ways, and in my head now, I'm starting to think to myself, do I get out, and do I pull over and help the guy, or do I just leave him be? You know, so I slow down, and all of a sudden this cop, in all of his strength and energy, just comes running and, like, tackles this guy. Just, boom, face plants it right on the concrete of the road. And he's just like wrestling him down, you know, and like he, and then so I, I drive by and I'm like, you know, you're doing like one of these rubbernecking things, you know, like, you know, in the in the in the wind, and it looked like in in the in the rearview mirror that the cop had secured him. <clears throat> now, if I would have done that, if I would have pulled that guy over, okay, with a little light. And if I would have gotten out and I would explain to him and I would have tried to put him in handcuffs and I would have tried to chase him down and make him eat concrete, I would be in trouble because I'm not a police officer and I don't have the authority to exercise that kind of skill. See, this is the other thing. As Christ followers, we have authority in Jesus we have authority to exercise certain things in the kingdom of God. But the problem is we don't know our authority. And when we don't know our authority, we let the bad guy get away. We don't operate in the authority that God has given to us. And sometimes we let the enemy overcome us. And instead, what we do is instead of reading about our authority... We read other books or we go to a conference or a seminar and we hear so-and-so say, you have this authority and you have that authority. And then we go and we think that we have authority, like we think that we're police officers in the kingdom of God. And we end up trying to arrest the enemy and the enemy ends up kicking our butt and running away from us because we don't know our authority. Christ followers are given an amount of authority when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior. If you have accepted Christ as your savior and you are a Christ follower, you have authority. You have spiritual authority. As a parent, I have authority over my children. That if my daughter comes to me and says, daddy, I want to do this and I feel that it's not in her best interest, I can say to her, I can exercise my authority and tell her that she can't do that. Even if she desires to rebel against what I'm telling her, I still have the authority that I can enforce on her, so she will not do it. In the same manner as Christ followers, we have authority to exercise in the kingdom of God. See, with authority comes position. In Matthew 28 18 through 20, Jesus stood on the earth just before he ascended into heaven, and he says, The Father has given me all authority in heaven and earth. And then he sends us out his disciples and he says, now go baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and make disciples. He gave them authority. He gave his bride authority, the church, Christ's followers. Now, let's look at this for a minute in Luke chapter 4, verses 5 through 8. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, and what did he say? There it is again. It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So Satan appears to Jesus, and rightfully so. Satan says to him, he says, Look, I have all the authority here over all the earth. And I can just give this to you at any moment. You can take it back. I'll give it to you. All you got to do is worship me. Jesus combats the enemy and says, no, no, no. It is written in the word of God that I will only worship the Lord God. Now, some of you are saying to me, but wait a minute, it's Jesus Christ. It's the son of God. Why would Satan have the ability to have authority over the earth and say, well, I'm going to give it to you. Was he tricking Jesus? No, he wasn't. Because in the beginning, Adam and Eve were created. It says that God created Adam and Eve and he gave them all authority and dominion over the earth. But when Adam and Eve chose to sin, they forfeited their authority over the earth to the enemy. That is where Jesus comes in, the hero. And he comes back, and he redeems us, and he redeems the earth, and he says, I've taken back the authority of all, and now it is in your hands to take dominion. You have authority. If we don't know our position in Jesus, we can't properly overcome the enemy or carry out kingdom assignments. And instead, we end up becoming spiritual casualties, how can we know the, the limitations of our authority if we don't get into the word and read about it? See, one thing is, is I know my authority. I know my position in the kingdom of God. I know my boundaries when it comes to dealing with the enemy and I push them. I push them because I have read what I have. A lot of times, I'm going to be honest I don't get cocky, but I am confident in who God is. And I'll, I'll say this, I only play it safe under the presence of God. I don't, when I'm dealing with the enemy, I don't stay back here when this is the line. I get into the word of God and I walk right up to that line and I get right in his face because I know who I am. Now, I'm not suggesting that you go home today and like rage this all out war on the enemy with your Bible, and wave it around in the air. (laughs) I know who I am. Not really. (laughs) Pastor Jason said I'm a Christ follower. I have authority, but I don't know what it is. I don't suggest you do that. What I suggest is you get into the word of God. Get into the word, open it up, and ask the Lord and say, what authority do I have as a Christ follower? And then begin to operate in that authority. Let me tell you what. Whatever somebody tells you at a conference, whatever somebody tells you on TV, whatever somebody tells you, okay, and they say, well, you have this level of authority and you have this and this and this. No, no, no. What does this say about your level of authority first? That's where we start. Is right here. It is written. Understand this. The greater the authority and position that you carry in the kingdom of God, the greater the influence you have, the greater the target you become of the enemy. It becomes dangerous, not something to flirt with. My mentor once told me this. He said that intimidation is cheap. He said the enemy uses intimidation because he has a limited budget and God doesn't have a budget. He's unlimited. I want you to think about that for a minute. The enemy uses intimidation because it's cheap, and he has a limited budget. He has limited power. That's a good thing. And the God that we serve, he doesn't know limits. He is unlimited. He doesn't have a budget. No one can go to God and say, oh, uh, I'm sorry, God, just want to let you know. I don't know how this happened to us, but somehow we ended up in the red. God's kingdom is always in the black. It is always in the black. He never runs out. That means if he never runs out, we don't run out with the things that he has for us to combat the enemy. So let me break this down for us. First of all, we are operating in God's budget of authority and kingdom. Now, I'm just going to preface this that this is something to get excited about. For some of you, this is going to be a little stretch because you don't get excited at church. But anyway... But anyway, first of all, we have God's budget, okay, which means it is unlimited. Second of all, we have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit on our side. Satan just has himself and a a certain amount of numbered demons. Again, no limited budget, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Limited budget, limited power, Satan and just a couple demons, Okay, seeing the comparison yet? This isn't a fair fight for the enemy. It's not a fair fight, people. It's not a fair fight. We have unlimited power and resources. We have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit who is for us and not against us. And we're going up against this one over here who has limited power, limited resources, and it's him. (laughs) Oh, that's cool. What's on football today? (laughs) That's something to be excited about. That's something to be excited about, church. We are called to operate in a different level of authority because of what is written in the word of God. Let's understand this. God is, is for us. God is for us. If we can grab hold of this truth, the enemy wouldn't mess with us as much. If we would grab hold of the truth that God is for us and not against us because unfortunately we have this mindset that God is only for us at certain times. He is always for us and not against us. Paul tells us in Ephesians 4:27, do not give place to the enemy. And I want to wrap this up by giving you several keys to overcome the enemy. All of these keys which are found in the word of God. First of all, put on the armor of God. Ephesians 6:10 through 20 tells us that we are given spiritual armor. The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth to gird up the loins of our minds, to fit our feet shod with the gospel of peace and readiness, to pick up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God and the shield of faith to quench the fiery arrows of the enemy. That's one way that we can put an end to the foothold of the enemy in our lives daily if we're willing to. But we don't know, we won't know how to apply our armor or, or to use our armor if we're not reading about it. Second of all is prayer. Prayer. Prayer is important. Ephesians 6.19 says, make every effort to pray. Use prayer. Also, praise and worship. Praise and worship. Psalm 104 says, enter his courts with thanksgiving in your heart and praise. I cannot tell you enough how much praise and worship is a weapon, not only to worship the Lord, but to combat the enemy. And finally, this was not in my notes, but I feel that it is important to mention You need to understand how to pray in the Spirit. You need to understand the power of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, for some of you, I know that that is not a kosher subject for you. But let me tell you what, it is found in the Word of God. When you learn how to speak in the Spirit and what the Holy Spirit gives you, you will totally devastate the enemy because he cannot understand what you're saying, You are immediately connected to the spirit of God. You don't have to work at it. My mentor once told me, I was talking to him because I was very flustered and frustrated. And I said, gosh, sometimes it feels like I praise God and I worship the Lord and I pray for an hour and I don't feel his presence. And he says, do you pray in the spirit? I said, well, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, here and there, you know. And he says, you need to pray in the spirit. The first thing you do when you get into God's presence. He said, when we pray in the Spirit, when we know and understand the baptism in the Holy Spirit, it immediately connects us to the Spirit of God. We don't have to work for it. It is an automatic open door into the realm of heaven where we are face to face with God. And let me tell you what, do not downplay it. Do not downplay it. And do not be afraid of it. If you want to know more about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, come and see me. Come and talk to me. Come and talk with the rest of our staff because it is an important weapon and it is an important avenue of worshiping the Lord. And I believe we will not be able to survive. The body of Christ will not be able to thrive if we do not understand the power of the baptism in the Holy Spirit and speaking in the Spirit. Would you stand with me, please? I encourage you. Our hero is Jesus Christ. We are his bride, and we have a quest. And now you have an idea of who the enemy is, but I challenge you and I encourage you, go home, open your Bible, get to understand and know the enemy, but most of all, get to know and understand our hero and know what your weapons are so that you can combat the enemy effectively and be a victorious bride in the end. Father God, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, God, that your word is alive, that your word is full of truth, and your word is full of power and life. Father, I thank you that when we read the word of God, your word reads us, that it cuts to our core, that it goes past our surface, Father, I pray that there would be a releasing in this place of a hunger for your word that has never been had in our hearts before. I pray, Lord, that there would be in our hearts this deepening desire that when we see our Bible on our coffee table or in our office, Lord, or in our car, there is just this desperate need to open it up, to dig into it and to read it and to know it more and more and more in our hearts. Father, I thank you that you have equipped us for greater things to come. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for your word. In in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.